This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. That's why this audience is gonna have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to War Room Battleground. It's not Stephen K. Bannon. It's Natalie Winters filling in for the Admiral. But we have a very packed show with some of War Room's favorite guests today for the 6 p.m. hour, the final hour of programming today. But don't worry, Steve will be back tomorrow bright and early. 10 a.m. But in the meantime, we have Joe Kent. We got Darren Beatty, Tara Dahl live from the southern border. And of course, some breaking really bombshell news uh, from the Gateway Pundit, sort of a follow up uh, with the news that we broke about mysterious and frankly illegal ballots and voter registration being found in the great state of Michigan. But before we get to that, we'll go to the great state of Washington. Of course, a good friend of the show, Joe Kent. Is joining us. I believe we have him. Uh, now, there's so much that I want to get uh, with you to talk about. Uh, you know, I think it's easy to describe the Biden regime as America laughs. Sometimes it's difficult to choose are they Ukraine first or China first. Uh, but I'd love to drill down specifically uh, on the Ukraine aid package that Biden is requesting or really demanding from Congress. They want around $40 million. A little over half of that is supposed to go to Ukraine. Uh, the uh, the outstanding half is supposed to go uh, to federal relief funds programs here in the United States and, of course, to our southern border. But they're sort of playing an interesting game that the D.C. establishment likes to play that always seems to hurt Americans and put really any anyone else in any other country first. Your thoughts uh, on the Biden regime's negotiating tactics with this aid package? Yeah, great to be with you today. I mean, look, this bill is absolutely... On one hand, it's ridiculous, but on the other hand, they're actually being honest for once. So it's a hostage statement, essentially. They're saying that, hey, first off, if you want to get any kind of emergency relief from all the disasters that are going on, what's happening in Hawaii, or to address the issues on our southern border with fentanyl pumping into our country, the state that I'm sitting in, Washington State, it's the, the number one uh, cause of death right now is fentanyl poisonings. But if we want to address any of that, the first thing that we have to do is fund Ukraine to the tune of, I think, another $12 billion, maybe $13 billion, maybe a Pentagon accounting error or two in there. Uh, so this is absolutely preposterous. It's Biden holding Congress hostage. But for once, they're actually being honest. They're saying to the American people, hey, our number one priority is continued wars overseas, wars that we haven't even voted on yet. You just need to fund them. And then, hey, we'll come back to you with whatever's left. And then we'll address those pesky emergencies you have here, some fires in Hawaii and that crisis on your border. So I really want the American people to pay attention to this. Congress needs to come back into session, I think, and completely reject this, address the foreign aid separately. I think that should be its own robust debate. But then first and foremost, we need people right. We need people to get services out in Hawaii. We've got wildfires. And we also have to address the crisis on the southern border. It's so in your face, but that's the point. And that's where they rely, of course, on the censorship industrial complex to censor any shows, of course, like War Room that spread misinformation, a.k.a. the truth about their ridiculous priorities, which are very clearly not Americans and not this country. 
Um, before we get to your opponent and obviously the race that you're running, I have one more question for you on the topic of, of immigration. There was just a scoop published in Axios talking about how the Biden regime actually wants to sort of reorient the temporary detention process for immigrants or rather uh, illegal immigrants, uh, giving them less or rather giving them more freedom as opposed to the typical detention centers. Obviously, that's, a, I would argue, boon for the traffickers, the cartel members, people who are engaged in modern day sex slavery on the U.S. southern border. But I guess so the allies of the Biden regime, your thoughts, again, that it's so blatant. Uh, that the Biden regime would be prioritizing the freedom and com comfortability of illegal migrants over American citizens. Yeah, I mean, when they when they tell you who they are, believe them. This is Joe <laughs> Biden. Yeah, I want to make sure that we can get the maximum amount of illegal immigrants into this country. And when they get here, we don't want them messed with. We, we want them going to key cities. We want to have them already there so we can inflate census numbers later on to get us more representatives, to undercut working class wages. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. And then also, look, Biden opened up the border day one of his, of his regime, and it's now 2023. So any Democrat right now who's trying to say like, oh, yeah, we're working on the border, absolutely garbage. I mean, every single Democrat says, yeah, we're, we're working on the border. Some things haven't gone all that great. However, the policies haven't changed. The flow of humanity hasn't changed whatsoever. And again, it goes back to the fentanyl. It's the number one killer of American citizens right now is fentanyl coming from the Mexican drug cartels. Obviously, China plays a hand in that as well. But it's a byproduct of our wide open border. And what do the Democrats do? They say, oh, we're going to make it easier for illegal immigrants to access your country. It is right up in our face. But like you said, that's the point. I think immigration, legal and illegal, both issues you have wonderful stances on, really are a wonderful political litmus test um, for elected members of Congress in terms of whether they stand for or against the American working class and more broadly the American people as opposed to the huge multinational corporations or the donor class that just wants the cheap labor and a broader consumer base. And you would think that that would be an issue that to use a term I'm sure you're familiar with, these blue dog Democrats would get behind, right? They'd want to support uh, the American workers, support, I don't know, just normal good old American values. But your opponent uh, doesn't seem to support those values. In other words, she wants, you know what, we'll let her speak for herself. Uh, Memphis, I think we have the clip. If we want to play it real quick for the audience, let's do that. Like, so Jared, Mary, and I actually just took over the blue dogs. Um, so... They basically lost a ton of their membership before we came in. Um, and then we we are sort of rebuilding it into, Mary, Jordan, and I are rebuilding it into the sort of anti-fascist rural, um, you know, because we've all defeated like pretty, Jared less so to some degree, but Mary and I definitely have took out some. Note, note to self, I don't think rural Antifa carries the same sway that it might in a New York City or Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket circles as it does out in the great state of Washington or frankly any other corner of this country. Joe, if you want to walk us through what we just witnessed and, and more broadly what you think that represents with the, I was going to say progression, but I think regression might be a better word of the Democratic Party. Yeah, look, Marie Perez right there is actually just being honest. She was being very candid 
Uh, she has direct ties to Antifa. Her business in Portland supported Antifa during the riots of 2020. We attempted to bring that to light uh, during the general election. We're going to continue to do so. And then she just said it herself. And look, don't even worry about the words that she uses. Look at her voting record. She's voted against border security every single time it's been on the bill. During our debates last fall, she said her plan was to get judges down to the border to expedite amnesty claims, to facilitate more illegal immigrants coming into our country. She refuses to ever address fentanyl, even though Washington state is leading the nation in fentanyl deaths. She's voted for all the radical transgender ideology. She voted to allow biological men into women's locker rooms. She's voted for the economic policies of Biden. I mean, really, the blue dog Democrats, I think, used to be pro-working class. This is where I think there was kind of an alliance with America first uh, Democrats, if there ever really was such a thing. And a lot of the more populist right where he said, hey, we want to restrict immigration to create a tighter labor market for the American working people. Those days are gone. Look, there's no such thing as a moderate Democrat. I say, show me a Democrat that's pro-law and order, pro-secure border, pro-basic fiscal responsibility, and for protecting our daughters and protecting our children. They're nowhere to be found. This is supposed to be the sensible wing of the Democrat Party, but they are just completely and totally radical. All you have to do is look at their voting record. I was going to say these blue dog Democrats are an endangered species, but I think you you nailed it. They're not endangered. They're frankly, they're extinct. Joe, before I let you go, if you want to give us a quick update on the campaign, uh, if you have any upcoming events and how people can, of course, help you, but get in contact with you if they want to help with you on the campaign side of things. Absolutely. The campaign is going great. We're endorsed by five out of the seven uh, Republican uh, state or uh, I'm sorry, uh, county committees here in the district. We should have the additional two secured here pretty soon. So the campaign's going great. Uh, I'll be out in Yakima County at their Lincoln Day dinner. I'm emceeing it. And our keynote speaker is Charlie Kirk. That's tomorrow. You can go to JoeKentForCongress.com. Anything you're able to donate is going to help me fight back against the Democrat war machine. JoeKentForCongress.com. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. As someone who recently moved back to Washington, D.C., I know this city and Congress could use a heck of a lot more people like you. So best of luck, and I'm sure we will see you on the show soon. Thank you very much, Natalie. Thank you. I think we should have Tara Dahl. You guys know her always giving groundbreaking bombshell reports from the southern border. Great views behind her sometimes scary it always perplexes me when we have her on when we have ben burkwam on and it's quite literally just the southern border but there's no fence there's no wall there's really no one there except real america's voice reporters but because of that we get such wonderful scoops so tara if you want to walk us through uh, i'm under the impression that you had a very informative and insightful helicopter ride with uh, texas gps today if you want to walk us through what you saw i'm sure the audience would appreciate that yeah, so thanks, Natalie. It's good to be with you. And yesterday I went up with Texas Department of Public Safety and we took, I just went on one of their patrols. They go up every single day, all day long under Governor Abbott, Operation Lone Star that they have been conducting for the last two and a half years. And what we did on this patrol ride is we just surveilled the area and looking for smugglers. We were looking for runners. We were just looking for any criminal activity and, and they do this constantly. And I've been here, Natalie, now for seven days and I've been on the ground in Texas and we have been out all through the night. And one of the key takeaways that I have from being here is the difference between what the state of Texas is doing and what the federal government is doing and the CBP. And what I mean by that is uh, Texas is out there, they're patrolling, they're pursuing, they're providing the national security for Texas and also all of America, they're on the front lines, they're holding 
the line right now for all of Americans. And the difference is with the Customs and Border Patrol, as I saw it firsthand, they're processing these illegal immigrants. And it's not the Border Patrol agents themselves. I just want to be very clear and, and clarify when I talk about what's going on between the state of Texas and CBP. It's not the agents. It's like the same thing with the military. If you're talking about the military, if you're talking about the FBI, it's not the agents on the ground, right? It's the it's the political D.C. bureaucrat running policy, right, that are tied to the Biden administration, that are hand-tying our agents on the ground. And so these Border Patrol agents, I saw them when we were out there on the front, we were by the river, and all these migrants were coming off the rafts. And every single time that a raft comes up, it's a smuggler that is carrying, that is bringing them over. And the Border Patrol agents, instead of prosecuting and going after the smugglers, which is their job, right, the job of the Border Patrol is to secure our borders and provide the national security for the United States. And instead of doing that, they're just guiding the migrants with a flashlight and then having to process hundreds. We were there, the one day that we were there, we saw about 900 migrants. And that is in one sector alone. They're coming, Natalie, in the masses. And keep in mind, these are illegal immigrants now that are crossing in between the ports of entry. It's illegal. It's under USC 1325. If you cross in between the ports of entry, you get arrested. It's a crime. But instead of the Border Patrol agents, because their hands are tied by the Biden administration policies, not because of what they decided to do, they're having to watch these smugglers now conduct illegal activity instead of going after them. And so one of the key takeaways is that Congress, under the Republican leadership, they need to cut funding for CBP until they return to their mission being a law enforcement agency and a national security agency and stop being a humanitarian agency. What has happened is CBP has changed their mission. And there's a letter right now by Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy by Texas, and he's got about 14 other members of Congress on it. And he just he just um, announced it yesterday. And he's calling on the Republican-led Congress to withhold funds for DHS until they start to protect and secure the border. And I think that's something that Congress can do right now is to stop funding until CBP changes its mission and goes back to protecting and securing the border and being a law enforcement agency. You know, they love the term, these people are just seeking a better life. And obviously we've debunked that on this show. We have experts like Todd Bensman, not only just debunking the statistics behind that narrative, um, but it's also a lot more dark and sinister than that. That also doesn't give you grounds for asylum here in the United States, of course. You know, it's that humanitarian lens, that view through which we view the border that allows the human traffickers, the cartels, the smugglers, you name it, to basically have a field day. Joe Biden really is their MVP. Before we let you go, I know you have an update to the story that you broke on War Room recently uh, that really, I think, speaks to what you were just talking about and what I just said. In other words, armed gunmen. Uh, with huge guns, multiple guns, crossing the United States border uh, into Texas, uh, basically unchecked, if not being you know, guided by the Biden regime. I think we have some pictures that we'll toss up on the screen, but if you want to walk us through the update to that story. Yeah, Natalie, we broke it on Monday on the war room, and it was gunmen coming in from Fronton, Texas, and they were armed. And then the next day, they got away. They were gotaways. And the next day, they came back into the United States. And on that day, Texas Rangers, they were able to apprehend these mig or ex smugglers, criminals. They were actually cartel members, I should say, with the Northeast Cartel who controls that area. They were able to apprehend two of them. And they found in the river AK-47 and AR-15. 
And when they apprehended them, this is what the kicker part, and this is what's happening, Natalie, all the time here. This is why we're not seeing any progress. The attorney's office, then they release the U.S. attorney's office, instead of prosecuting these criminals who they had in custody, Texas had brought them in, they were in custody, and instead of prosecuting them, they returned them back to Mexico. Zero criminal charges, and they didn't even ask the state of Texas if maybe they wanted to bring charges against them since they were the ones to capture them. They just released them back into Mexico. So what's going to happen? They're just going to return back to smuggling now, return back to doing what they were doing and human trafficking, smuggling in children, and there's no consequences. But that's what we're seeing across the board on the Southwest border. It's lawlessness, Natalie, complete lawlessness. Like I could, it was so surreal to me when you're walking through the bushes and we're just walking through the bushes at night, in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and masses of groups of people are coming down the bush at you. It's like you're in a movie. It is a complete invasion and it is absolutely treasonous, I believe. And I think one of the first things, it is treasonous, not I believe, it's treasonous. They're breaking the law. Instead of upholding the law, they're breaking the law. And this is what is happening. You're seeing what President Obama said, the, the radical transformation of America. And that's what's happening on our border. And so I think one of the first things that Congress can do under the uh, Republican-led Congress is to stop the funding for Customs, Border, and Patrol until they start changing their mission statement back to being that law enforcement agency. Indeed, it is treasonous because, as I know you have gotten into in detail, it is all intentional and by design. Tara Dahl, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to follow you and stay up to date with what you're covering and where you are, where can they find you? Tara underscore Dahl on Instagram. Thank you, Natalie. Of course, thank you so much for joining us. And I think we have Jim Hoff. It's exciting for me. I've never gotten to interview one of the Hoff brothers before, but I'm glad it's today because we have a pretty big story. I won't even try to steal any of your fire. If you want to briefly walk us through what you guys broke on War Room recently, and then the update, which is basically the confirmation of the story that you broke uh, from the Michigan AG, I'm sure the audience would appreciate it. Natalie, so good to be with you. I've never joined you on the War Room, so <laughs> congratulations on your uh, position, and uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, yeah, earlier this week, Natalie, and we, we've been holding this report for about three weeks, but uh, on Tuesday we broke the news that um, there was an investigation back in 2020, in October of 2020, in Muskegon, Michigan. It's a smaller, smallish community on the west side of the state. It has about 38,000 residents in uh, Muskegon. And what happened was uh, there was this uh, person who came in to the city clerk's office and brought in from eight to 10,000 uh, voter registrations. Now, that would be a red flag for any community when you only have 38,000 people in the city, right? And so um, then once they started looking at these registrations, they found, you know, that uh, the signatures were all the same, you know, same handwriting, uh, addresses were wrong, uh, the, the, the phone numbers were bad. So they found a lot of things wrong with these. And um, this uh, city clerk then notified the police. Um, and then there was a uh, amazing investigator at the local police force. Uh, his name is uh, Lieutenant Anderson, and he started to dive into this uh, situation that was happening in Muskegon. What they found was that 
they they were able to track down these registration harvesters. They went to two of their offices. One office, this is what's just amazing. One office had uh, prepaid uh, cash cards. They had burner phones. They had semi-automatic weapons and silencers. And then, of course, they had registration forms all over. They had uh, receipts that they were paying different employees so much money. And they had receipts of sending out packages to other communities um, where uh, they were actually sending out uh, different uh, bundles of registrations to different communities around the area. So uh, they, they, this investigator discovered that this was GBI Strategies is the name of the company. And this company, we know now, and I spoke with, actually, I spoke with the officer today. I'm going to report on that later, um, who he said, the first thing he said to me was, um, I confirm everything in my report. He says, I'm, you know, so he's sticking with his report. Um, so we, we posted this up, you know, guns, burner phones, and registrations. That was pretty much our title. It went completely viral. Um, because, of course, this is an unbelievable situation. We found out later that this group has, uh, uh, it has businesses throughout all of the battleground states. So they have offices all over. Um, and uh, we found out more about the person who runs GBI Strategies. His name was Eric Bell. And he uh, bragged about how he's in charge of 70 different organizations and that he's working again in 20 states and he's a, a advisor in another seven states. So I think what we stumbled upon, Natalie, is we may have accidentally stumbled upon one of the primary um, organizations that is used by Democrats to, in my opinion, okay, in my opinion, that is, is used to manufacture registrations in order for Democrats to manufacture votes. Um, we put this up, the media went crazy. Uh, they didn't know what to do. The fact checkers said, oh, that's not true. Only 46 of these registrations were bad and, and, uh, and were uh, thrown away. Um, today, then, this is the, the big news today, the Detroit Press, uh, very liberal, or you know, uh, paper, like all of the uh, Michigan papers, <clears throat> they came out and they admitted that what we reported basically uh, was that we were correct. So this was their Friday night drop. They admitted that eight to ten thousand of these voter registrations were bad, and this was from the Attorney General's office, Dana Nessel, who is a complete radical. So at the same time, the Dana Nessel is going after 16 uh, alternate electors and she wants to put them in prison. She's hiding from the public that they had this investigation going on into these uh, thousands of fake registrations. So uh, I think uh, this is, we're just starting with our reporting. We're going to discover more and more about where else they were uh, uh, involved, what other states, 
And uh, this is, we're just, but this is an amazing admission today. The Democrats are admitting that they, uh, that this, that there actually were eight to 10,000 in this one city from this group, GBI Strategies. I also need to, to point out for your audience, and that is that who was funding GBI Strategies? Democrats, the Biden campaign, the Democrat senatorial campaign, different other Democrat groups, and uh, this Black PAC, which was uh, funding them with millions of dollars. And so how important was that for them? It was very important if they're putting in from uh, seven to $11 million in 2020 into this group. And now we know what this group was doing. Well, as you well know, when the fact checkers come out in full force, that's typically a sign that uh, you're covering the story correctly, but in a way that the administrative state, and in this case, the Democratic Party doesn't want you to. Before I let you go, could you just walk us through one more time, and maybe it dovetails with where you're going to take this story, but obviously you're talking about you know mm -hmm. one small city with a population of under 40,000 people, and we're talking about ballots and the numbers of anywhere from 8 to 10 thousand that's about 25 percent of the population there i highly doubt that this operation was just contained to one small city and one swing state if you project this kind of go meta with it you know how many states and again this might just be you hypothesizing but how many states do you think were affected counties do you, you know could this have flipped the election outcome i'm just curious your thoughts well, I, I believe one of my theories is that they you have to have the, the extra registrations in order to have the extra votes. And I strongly believe in that. And um, so in Michigan alone, the GBI strategies had offices in several different cities, including Flint, Detroit, Muskegon, and, and a couple others. Um, and then also it has been confirmed from this police officer I spoke with today, who is an amazing person who put this report together, and from uh, the actual director of GBI Strategies, that they're in at least 20 states operating in 2020. And uh, wow. so this is, this is a huge, huge deal. Um, I, I think um, some Republicans better step up now and and uh, you know some good attorneys and, and investigate Jim, this further we're coming up we're coming up against a break so i unfortunately have to let you go because i would love to let you rip on what our uh useless establishment republicans should do but if people want to follow you and get the updates on the story where they go yeah go to the the gateway pundit and of course we're on much of the social media so check us out at the gateway pundit for our latest updates Read the article while you still can before Joe Biden probably censors it himself. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Have That's a nice right. weekend. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we'll be right back after this break. We got Darren Beatty of Revolver News joining us to talk a wide range of things. Of course, I'm sure you have all seen the special counsel was just appointed, highly compromised, just some more political warfare coming out of the Biden regime. You name it, we'll be right back with Darren JBD. Did you know that the current cell phone towers only reach 7% of the Earth's surface? And if you're out of that range, or if the grid is down, how will you contact your loved ones? Think about that, 7% of the Earth's surface. That's why you absolutely need a satellite phone. With your satellite phone, 
If you can see the sky, you can make a call. It's got 100% global coverage, ensuring you're always within reach. Your calls are secure and private, and no one's eavesdropping. Even the U.S. military trusts these phones to communicate securely. Your text messages? Encrypted. Only the intended recipient can read them. Everything you do with this phone is 100% private and 100% secure. Right now, Satellite Phone Store is giving you a free Iridium 95555 satellite phone with a two-year plan if you go to sat123.com slash Bannon right now. That is sat123.com slash Bannon right now. That's a free Iridium 9555 satellite phone. You want to include your family? This exclusive offer also includes family plans. What's more, each phone comes with a free Garmin watch, the ultimate companion to keep you connected wherever you go. Now visit sat123.com slash Bannon and use code Steve50 at checkout for free activation or dial the following number, one 941 9551020 to snag your free Iridium 9555 satellite phone today. That's sat123.com slash Bannon, code Steve50. Take action, do it. Okay, imagine you're at your doctor's office. Your doctor glances up from the chart and says, and I quote, Hey, whatever you're doing, keep it up. End quote. Now that's the field of greens, better health promise. Check out this customer testimonial. He said, and I want to quote here, I've been taking Field of Greens and this is the second time my doctor has danced into the room praising my blood results. Credit where credit's due. Thanks, Field of Greens. End quote. Now each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected for a specific health benefit. Some support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidneys. Others support metabolism metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss if you're busy if you don't get enough exercise if you eat too much fast food take field of greens look field of greens can't promise your doctor will dance into your room but they can promise at your next checkup your doctor will notice you improve health or you get your money back let me repeat that you get your money back i trust field of greens for my health and you can too let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Take action today. Use your agency, fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon, and get the better health promise. Right now, many Americans are feel, feeling powerless. You know the feeling. The economy isn't stable, crime continues to plague our communities, and those in charge do not seem to care. There's something empowering about knowing that you have the skills to defend yourself, and that's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to drive fire practice with your actual far firearm at any time in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton of money on practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, increase reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. iTarget comes in all the major calibers, including 223, 
so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon when you go to itargetpro.com right now. Don't rely on the government to make you feel safe. Empower yourself with itargetpro. That's the letter I, targetpro.com. itargetpro.com, and the offer code is Bannon. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Well, we go undercover as antiques in a crowd, so can you put that back in? All right, thank you so yep, much. Yep. It feels better. You guys get sprayed. Here, here. Take this on the bottle. Um, but I, I just also think that we were dealing with a time where there were a lot of people, there was a, there was a lot of cheering and, and self-congratulation about the rise of small donors a decade ago. And now small donors are actually one of the biggest problems for democracy, for the GOP, because um, small donor, large donors actually have a strategic view about moderation, who can win, who can't. Small donors really are just venting their spleen with yep. their credit card. And um, and they lock candidates into positions that can hurt them in the general election. Such an important point. I, I want to do an. Welcome back to the war room with probably one of the worst political takes I've ever seen in uh, my two or so decades on this earth. Joining me now to discuss that and so much more is someone who I'm sure probably agrees and can sort of give you the historical background on Jonah Goldberg to an extent that, frankly, I'm glad I can't. Uh, but only Darren J. Beattie could, in true Darren J. Beattie fashion. Darren, since I know you're probably jumping at the gun to be able to talk all things uh, esteemed Jonah Goldberg, your thoughts on just his abysmal take uh, on small dollar donors being the biggest threat, among many, many things like, you know, climate change and misinformation uh, to democracy here in the United States. Indeed. Well, I, I really wish we could just play the B-roll as I'm describing the situation, because I think it'll be helpful to the audience just to study closely in detail and really soak up the presence that is Mr. Jonah Goldberg, a self-styled intellectual with glasses. But first, let's actually examine the position that he's made, which I guess you have to say in the panoply of just ridiculous positions that have now become so commonplace in the media, it's not even that striking anymore. And of course, he has to invoke democracy as all stupid points um, intended to justify the ruling structure of the corrupt, illegitimate morons running the country into the ground. He has to invoke democracy. So it's really an amazing thing because Usually you just have to pay lip service to the small dollar donors, but increasingly it's the case that people are running, you know, including DeSantis, but this goes back further than that. They can't get a bunch of small dollar donation because it's only a handful of 
billionaires, multi-multi-millionaires who prop up these people as puppets. You saw it in the 2016 election with the um, with the field that was basically propped up to go after Trump when he destroyed each one, you know, one by one by one. You just have, you know, one billionaire backer who decides somebody is, you know, worth it. And that's how you get these mediocrities in there. You know, I'm hearing stories of, I think, Larry Ellison, who is prepared to write serious checks for Tim Scott. I mean, this just tells you that we have a dumb money problem in America. There is so much dumb money in our politics. It's really an entirely separate discussion. But in the, going, getting back to Jonah Goldberg, he's basically saying it's dangerous for our democracy. No kidding. That these small dollar donors can dare to participate in the, in the political process. We should all defer to the handful of billionaires who are paying these politicians like prostitutes. You know, they should... These politicians should set up OnlyFans to receive the donations from people like Ken Griffin and Larry Ellison, because that's essentially what it is. Um, and that's the kind of politics that Jonah Goldberg likes. So having addressed the substance, I think we should address something more important, which is the context. Um, this man, Jonah Goldberg, as a phenomenon because I think you really have to understand him as a phenomenon to understand just how stupid and ridiculous establishment conservative politics really is. So here's a guy in his suit, but he doesn't want to overdo it because he, he doesn't want to be like, you know, too professional because that's a little bit low style. He, he, he doesn't want to wear the tie. He wants to wear the blazer. You don't want to go too far with the tie because, you know, he wants to convey a relaxed style of you know, almost an academic, somebody who is a smarty, you know, somebody who reads books and even writes books. So he has kind of an unbuttoned thing at the top, no tie, but a blazer looking respectable. And of course, you know, very stern expression on his face, trying his very best to convey a sense of gravitas, which is totally absent really from cable television, news television in the United States for a long time. But he tries his best. And then he has his glasses on because he's a conservative intellectual. He wrote for the National Review, just like William F. Buckley, who had his own affectations. And maybe we can do a deep dive on kind of a psychoanalysis of William F. Buckley another time, because here was a man motivated by insecurities, but of a vastly different sort. Jonah Goldberg, I mean, we just need to say it, Jonah Goldberg attended the incredibly low-ranked Gutra College. Now, why do I talk about it being low-ranked? Am I you know, a snob? Am I elitist? Some people say that, but actually it's not the case. The idea is Jonah Goldberg is trying to position himself as this elite guy, as this intellectual guy, as this discerning snob who can get on television and CNN and talk about how these small dollar donors are a threat to democracy. I'm saying, if you're going to feed us that load of crap, if you're going to play the part, at least have the degree to go with it, at least have the credentials to go with it. Don't add the insult to injury by having this guy play the elitist who went to a trash school that's ranked past 100 and pretends like he's better than everyone else and that he's an intellectual. Don't have somebody like that present himself as an elitist. And it gets even better because he didn't even get in on his own merit. 
Goucher College, the college that Jonah Goldberg attended, was a woman's college. It was a woman's college until the year that he attended. So this guy literally got in to a college that's ranked below 100 on affirmative action because he was a man. And this is the guy presenting himself to the American public as a sophisticated intellectual who can look down on small dollar donors, who is one of the hacks and morons who did everything he could to say that Trump couldn't win, Trump couldn't win in 2016 and to prevent it from happening and just being humiliated. And he's rewarded with a position at CNN, with you know, uh, a speaking slot at CNN. This is kind of the politics in America. This is the political economy of the media where people like that can scam by presenting themselves as public intellectuals. In my view, even though you know, he's not doing anything illegal by embarrassing us and really embarrassing the country with his credentials and what he's trying to present, I consider him a bigger scammer than the Theranos woman, frankly. So... That's the story of Jonah Goldberg. There's an interesting cartoon um, in which I'm depicted uh, along with Jonah Goldberg by um, one of America's famous artists, Ben Garrison. I encourage everyone to look at that. But, you know, it's just par for the course. Jonah Goldberg is a joke. He's unserious. CNN is unserious. CNN, believe it or not, degrades itself by having him on um, so I don't want to spend too much, you know, mental bandwidth on him because ultimately he is a non-entity, uh, but it's just, it just goes to show that there's so much wrong with political discourse in America when you have people like Jonah Goldberg attempting to present themselves as public intellectuals and political experts. And then, of course, you know, the substance of his point was, um, offensively stupid. I was going to call him a, a poor man's intellectual, but I guess in this case, maybe we could call him a, a small donor uh, intellectual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know no, Darren, I mean... has, Darren has been waiting for the day to come on and be able to mention Goucher College, and I'm so glad that I have been the one to give you the platform to finally talk about that institution, which may I just humbly add, Darren and I are both graduates of the University of Chicago. <laughs> the acceptance rate at Goucher College is 82% and U Chicago is a little around 6%. So well, you know, 82% there. was actually, that was too tough for Jonah. That's why he needed the added <laughs> boost of affirmative action. Being a man, I think his his admission essay was on how, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard being a man trying to present yourself as an intellectual, you know, getting rejected from every other place. So he, he really needed... He really needed a sympathy vote from somebody in the admissions committee at Goucher, and I guess they extended it to him. And, uh, you know, I think Goucher has a lot to answer for. <laughs> Indeed, Goucher, you have a lot to answer for. But so does the January 6th committee and, of course, all the mainstream media outlets and politicians that have continued to lie to us about the insurrection that you aptly dubbed the Fedsurrection. In the original clip that we played uh, before... Jonah Goldberg, and before we wasted all our time talking about his wonderful uh, academic track record, uh, could you unpack sort of the bombshell news? I know it was maybe sort of hard to hear, but that's contained in that clip, and you can, of course, get into the the interview with Stephen Sund and just some, some new developments on the January 6th front. 
Indeed. Well, the clip that you depicted was an interesting clip that's making the rounds. We had a little blog on it at Revolver, and it seems to depict either Metro PD, some kind of law enforcement officials on January 6th saying that we're going undercover um, as Antifa, which is a very interesting thing. I mean, we know there the January 6th event was swarming with undercover agents of all types from the Metro PD to the FBI as it was uh, eventually and begrudgingly acknowledged by the New York Times that it was swimming with FBI informants um, in the Proud Boys and other organizations. Um, so it was littered with informants and this seems to be video evidence confirming that there were at least some law enforcement officials undercover as Antifa, which makes you wonder, like, who are the individuals who are taking those decisive, proactive steps, busting down the windows, pushing the doors, that kind of thing? You know, as a matter of crowd psychology, you just need a handful of people to do that first, uh, to do, you know, the first mover stuff, and then everyone follows through. So um, it sort of confirms all of the questions that have already been uh, presented, and I think that any thinking person who's evaluated the evidence of January 6th already more or less knows the answer to that it was indeed a Fed surrection. And just an interesting point, because we're going to want to get to the committee issue really uh, soon. And the committee apparently they lost they lost the data, which is, or they deliberately deleted the data, which is a similar answer to what happened when the public face of the pipe bomb investigation, Stephen D'Antuono volunteered himself before the Judiciary Committee. And he had a lot of fascinating revelations, really bombshells that cumulatively really and unexpectedly affirmed all of the reporting that Revolver has done exposing the pipe bomb hoax specifically as one of the two smoking guns of this Fed's erection. And one of the biggest bombshells was when the guy said, yeah, we did geofencing. We tried to identify the pipe bomber through geofencing. The telecom company came back to us and said the data was corrupted for, for this specific time and place. The January 6th committee is saying some version of that. We don't have the data. We deleted it. We haven't preserved our records. I wonder why. Well, the reason is the January 6th committee was never set up to be a real fact-finding vehicle. It was set up to serve up effectively the indictment for Trump. And the chairman of the committee, Benny Thompson, publicly celebrated and took credit for the indictment of Trump, which is kind of ironic because Thompson's a figurehead. He's you know, clearly borderline illiterate himself and couldn't mastermind anything if his life depended on it. But he was the nominal chair and he took credit. And January 6th committee was a big part of teeing up that indictment. And then, of course, the other aspect of the committee was to prevent any honest and thorough accounting of the questions that could actually get to the bottom of re what really happened, the question of the pipe bomb and the question of Ray Epps. And just an interesting detail on uh, the issue of Epps, who, of course, is now suing anyone who talks about him. Uh, his lawyer is an employee of the famed and disgraced Democrat hatchet man, David Brock, incidentally. Now, an amazing thing from the legal complaint, which is at the moment confined to Fox News, although Tucker Carlson and myself are referenced extensively in the document. Um, they claim that Tucker Carlson knowingly lied 
in his reporting on um, Ray Epps? How did he knowingly lie? How could they get into his mind and make such a claim? Well, he knowingly lied because he ignored the contrary advice of such esteemed and authoritative institutions as the January 6th committee. So from their position, if you have a different opinion from the January 6th committee, you have to be lying because the committee itself is so self-evidently authoritative that you have to know that they're speaking the truth and to say otherwise must be a lie. And the second reason they said that he was a liar who acted with a reckless disregard for the truth is that he based his reporting on that of yours truly. They said to feature the reporting of a known conspiracy theorist such as Darren Beatty is tantamount to displaying a reckless disregard for the truth, which is quite something. It's, it's a hell of a neg, they say, and, you know, I'll get over it. I'm a big boy, you know, my ego can, <laughs> my ego can survive that. But what's really amazing, though, is that they would say that, and at the same time, the New York Times confirmed what we were saying about there being informants. As I mentioned, the public face of the pipe bomb investigation came forward to the Judiciary Committee, basically affirming the nature of all of our reporting on the pipe bomb and how it just doesn't add up and seems to defy innocent explanations. And then finally, and also very interesting, um, we have interview with Stephen Sund, the former head of the Capitol Police, who reaffirms the thrust of our reporting and certainly affirms the questions that we were asking. And he's shown video of Ray Epps and said, yeah, this is weird. It doesn't add up. I don't understand it any more than anyone else does. And of course, that's his way of saying, yeah, what, what's you know, the Epps thing is fishy. So you know, apparently my reporting is, is, is such, you know, conspiratorial stuff that simply to report on it as Tucker did and have me on, that's showing reckless disregard for the truth. But the New York disreputable organizations like the New York Times have confirmed the core basis of what we were saying. Stephen Sun, the former head of the Capitol Police, has legitimized and affirmed the questions that we're asking. And thirdly, and most unexpectedly, I must say, the public face of the pipe bomb investigation, the former head of the FBI's Washington field office, came forward and basically acknowledged that the pipe bomb investigation is uh, a total mess and things don't add up when pressed with the questions that Revolver News first raised to the national consciousness. So it's wow. an interesting feature. It's an interesting feature of the the lawsuit that they're going to say that the January 6th committee is so authoritative that to deviate from them constitutes lying and that Revolver News and Darren Beatty are so conspiratorial and out there that to base anything on their reporting constitutes a reckless disregard for the truth. But, you know, this is the David Brock guy. And uh, you think they would say something like that. But the real danger, though, is what they're trying to do, which is say, if you don't listen to the experts or conversely, if you listen to the people that the regime doesn't like, you're liable to get bankrupted by defamation suits or in the case of Trump to go to jail, because in Trump's case, they said Trump acted with knowing disregard for the truth 
because Mike Pence and the Department of Homeland Security and um, and the director of national intelligence told him the election was fine. So these voices are th so authoritative for him not to listen to it also amounts to lying. So it's the same ridiculous trick. And, you know, just to th have the cherry on top, one of the authoritative institutions mentioned in the Trump indictment, though so authoritative that for Trump to not listen to them means he must be lying, is CISA, which I know you've reported on very well, and that's been exposed violating constitutional rights and then covering it up. Well, Darren, I was going to ask you about the latest with Imran Khan and, of course, Swamp Creature, really straight out of, I think, Monsters, Inc., Victoria Newland. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have the time because you covered everything with January 6th. So if people want to stay up to date with you and Revolver News where, and Gucci College, where can they go to find you? Go to revolver.news. The latest developments in the Khan case, former prime minister of Pakistan, I was one of the last two people to interview him for before he was arrested. Recently, there was a leak that came out exposing that Biden regime was in fact instrumental in the wow. ouster of this beloved populist leader. Read all about it at revolver.news. It's at the top for a limited time for about the next hour or so. It'll be right thank at the you, top. Thank you, Darren. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Warren Posse, for hanging with me. Steve will be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Have a good one. Veterans, you know, we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 thousand Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. 
You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.